Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be covering chapter 10 of the Book of Reincarnation. The chapter is titled The Blessings of Mortality. We'll be on pages 83 to 86 for those of you who are following along. The description are in the description of the podcast, you'll find the links to reading the chapter, reading the book, or reading other books on Restoration Theology. Page 83. The sons of God, or the B'nai Elohim, shouted for joy because there was a beautiful habitation being built so that they could get tabernacles or bodies and dwell thereon. They expected the time. They looked forward to the period and it was joyful to them to reflect. Orson Pratt, Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 56. Mortality is an important stepping stone along the pathway to everlasting and eternal life. It is not like a stage play with repeat performances. It is a progressive, not repet- it is progressive, not repetitive. Those supporting a belief in reincarnation state that they must continually discard their bodies as they are born and reborn over and over again. They consider the mortal body as a burdensome thing that needs to be cast away like an old coat. Being born again is a signal that they failed in a previous life and so they must get another body until they make the grade. On the other hand, the Mormon gospel, or the restored gospel, teaches us that the body is a temple to be respected, revered, and treated as a delicate and holy gift from God, as it is the only mortal body we'll ever have. So I don't believe that. See, I don't believe it because, um, well, because God showed me different, but... Joseph Smith also talked about these things in the Sermon at the Grove, which was the last lecture that he gave. And it doesn't seem fair to me, and it isn't fair, that there's so many people on this earth who do not have access to the fullness of the gospel. They don't have it. They're not going to be made celestial beings without going through the proper ordinances, and it's not going to be done all in the millennium either. People were not given, uh, many people in the world throughout history didn't have the scriptures either. And I know that it says that they who are not, are, who do not have the law are not judged by the law, but... In order to progress to exaltation, you must have the fullness of the gospel. 
so it seems very gracious for our Father in Heaven to allow us to put off our resurrected bodies at the end of one eternal round, which is an earth cycle, and go back on a new earth so that we can gain more experiences in a different mortality and grow. And, you know, with reincarnation, we come back many times in one earth round, one 6,000 telestial period, like from the beginning of the telestial period to the end of the telestial period, according to the reincarnationalists, we come back multiple times. And there may be a place for that for some people, but I don't know. Um, all I know is that God told me that there was more to it when he told me that in the resurrection, we have the ability to put off our resurrection and go back on another earth with another savior and another father. And, um, but it makes sense that when Jesus Christ pays for our sins and he becomes the father, that that is something that we become spiritually adopted to him, but we become physically adopted to him when we, when the new earth is created, which is talked about in the book of revelations where John sees a new heaven and a new earth that is created at the end of the millennium, uh, in the, the eighth day, actually. So that seems more fair to me than the way, uh, the way the church looks at things now. And I just think that they don't have, they've either rejected it or they didn't have enough information because Joseph only talked about it a little bit. Although in the scriptures, it talks about eternal lives, plural. So anyway, I'll continue reading. I, well, real quick, like I feel sorry for the people that just read the post or the the words without listening to the commentary, and then they think they know what I'm uh, believing. Because like, if you just read the book, this is Ogden Kraut's stuff, and I think it is beneficial. But people are not going to know exactly what I believe unless they listen to the podcast, and they think they know what I believe because they read instead of listen. But whatever, uh, I think it's all beneficial. But for those people who are like, oh, we know what you believe, but you never listen to my podcast, or they never listen to my podcasts, I'm like, well, you really don't know what I believe unless you listen to them. So anyway, let's see here. It is to be preserved and sanctified so that it can be reclaimed in the resurrection as an acceptable home for the spirit for all eternity. According to Orson Pratt, the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Mormon we find Alma dis discoursing upon the resurrection of the dead and also Amulek. They both testify that the bodies we lay down in the grave will come forth again. And we're on page 84 if you're listening along that every part will be restored to its perfect frame. Both those prophets declared that every limb and joint will be restored through the though the body crumble back to the mother earth and the bones, the most solid portion of the human system will be dissolved and returned again to dust. They declare 
that the materials will be brought together and reconstructed, that bone will come to its bone, and that flesh will come, the flesh that now clothes these bones and the sinews and skin which cover the flesh will also be restored. Journal of Discourses, volume 16, page 355. One of the interesting claims of some of the reincarnationalists is that the devil has a mortal body that he comes that he once dwelt on an earth and that he too will eventually be born many times. Wow, I've never read that in any books of reincarnation that I've studied. I don't know where Ogden's getting that. I wish he would uh, give some quotes. Maybe he will. So, however, the prophet Joseph Smith said, quote, "Some seek to excel, and this was the case with Lucifer when he fell. He sought for things which were unlawful; hence, he was sent down." And it is said that he drew many away with him, and the greatness of his punishment is that he shall not have a tabernacle or a mortal body. This is his punishment. So the devil, thinking to thwart the decree of God by going up and down in the earth, seeking whom he may destroy, any person that he can find that will yield to him, he will bind him and take possession of the body and reign there, glorifying in it mightily, not caring that he had got merely a stolen body, and by and by someone having authority will come along and cast him out and restore the tabernacle to its rightful owner. The devil steals a tabernacle because he is not he has not one of his own. But if he steals one, he always he is always liable to be turned out of doors. That's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 297 and 298. So I have to comment on this too. Um, so God has shown me many different visions throughout the last 20 something years. And one of the things that I saw was Lucifer before he became Lucifer. And before he became Satan, because Lucifer and Satan are completely different offices. One means the accuser of the brethren, which is Hasatan in Hebrew or Satan in English, or uh, Lucifer, which is Hillel ben Shikar, which means a bearer of light and truth. And Luce in, in Latin means light. Lucifer is a bearer of light, and he was that at one time. But before he became that, uh, he had that office, he had a mortal probation on an older earth. And that he followed the law exactly and he was redeemed on that earth. But he still had pride and arrogance in him that caused him to be boastful and fall. I also saw that when Jesus was on an older earth, before he became the redeemer of this world, he was God the witness in the last world. In that Lucifer, before he became Lucifer, was a great prophet. He was an Elias for, for Jesus Christ, much the way John the Baptist was an Elias for him in this mortal probation for this world. But they, in that world, he was God the witness. And there was a prophet who was supposed to lead the way and prepare the way like an Elias for him as God the witness. And that... Um, 
that for some reason he felt like he needed to be placed as as the redeemer of this world. So Lucifer was chosen to be the witness for this world before the, this world was created. But he felt like he should have been the redeemer. So that's what brought about this commotion in the pre-existence where he rose up against Jesus Christ and rose up against the decision of the Father when it was the, Jesus was already the witness in that world and he would become the redeemer of this world. And that when he paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane and sealed it upon the cross that he would become the father through the law of adoption of us spiritually and that he would go on to be an atom of an earth to become the father of us physically like Michael did. Michael on that world was the redeemer when he was brought forth. Um, Jehovah was his father and Jesus was his witness. And, um, when, uh, the, the pre-mortal council happened with the Elohim. They instructed Jehovah to bring Michael to where this earth would be created and to show him how it was done because he had been the Adam of, of a former world. And um, Michael did the work, and he was God the Creator, which is the same as being God the Father for this world. So it's the progression of the gods, and it's... Um, the LDS understanding that they have these days is a basic version to introduce you to the concept of the progression of the gods, multiple mortal lives, um, the, like eternal lives. Like there's more to all of this than what Joseph Smith taught, but he did start to teach these things in Nauvoo prior to his death. So, um, basically, Lucifer did have a body on that world. Now, the thing that God showed me back in 2010 was that we are damned in a state of, of resurrection unless we're exalted, but that we have the opportunity to put off the resurrection and become a spirit being again and go on to another earth and go through more, uh, another probation in mortality. And before this earth was created, Lucifer and Jesus had a body. They lived in mortality and they were resurrected. But Jesus at that time was simply God the witness and not yet exalted because in order to become exalted, you actually have to go through the process of becoming a redeemer. That's another thing that the church, they teach that if you, if you, uh, you know, check off your list. So I know you can hear my son coughing in the background. He's supposed to be asleep because it's morning time, but he woke up because I wasn't there laying next to him. But we got diagnosed with the flu yesterday. So... Uh, all but three of us. Well, technically, well, 
I have the flu, he has the flu, my oldest son has the flu, and my seven-year-old has the flu, and my wife has symptoms, but she's, like, not bad yet, so, and this is the last day of school, so they can be sick during Christmas break, but anyway, so, um, we'll just have to deal with Arius, my three-year-old, coughing in the background, I hope that you'll forgive him and me. But anyway, so um, Jesus put off his resurrection from the pre- uh, previous world, and so did so did the one who became Lucifer. And I don't know his name; I know his title. So, and Yeshua or Jesus is the title as well. I don't know what his name was on that world either, but I know who he is. So anyway. Um, But Lucifer rebelled against Jesus because he felt like he had more right to rule and reign than Jesus did in the position of a redeemer, even though he had not yet even been uh, a witness, that he was chosen to be a witness for this world. And if he would have done well, he would have, you know, become a redeemer in the next world. But he did have a body in the previous world. So did Jesus. So did I, and so did you, because we travel as family groups. So, and, um, like, there's so much more that God has shown me on these subjects, um, but I won't get into it all, because I've talked about them before in previous programs. If you want to know more about things, just listen to my programs. (laughs) All right, let's get back into the reading. We're 45% through with the reading today, and this is probably going to be... uh, a shorter program than other ones in the past, but let's get in it. All those heavenly hosts who rebelled against Christ in the pre-existence were, were because of their unworthiness, also de- also deprived of the privilege of mortal bodies. The apostle Mo- Moses Thatcher elaborated, and he was uh, an apostle back in the days of Brigham Young. I want on page 85 if you're reading along, but this is the quote. God was determined that every man, woman, and child born into the world should be free. I say because God would not adopt his, speaking of Satan's, coercive measures. He rebelled Satan. Well, he was Lucifer before he became Satan. Say, uh, Lucifer rebelled against Jesus and one third of the one third part of heaven followed him and he fought against Michael and the host of heaven and he was cast down to the earth with the hosts that followed him but you can find no living man or woman that ever breathed the breath of life that fought on his side for the condemnation that came upon them was a loss of opportunity to take a body Journal of Discourses, volume 26, page 332. Now, that's speculation on Moses Thatcher's part because what I was shown is that the elect of God were they who never left the side of Jesus in the plan of salvation. Everyone else did leave, and they thought Lucifer's plan was a better plan. And the war in heaven wasn't fought with bullets and bombs. It was fought with teaching and testimony. Those of us who stayed with Jesus went among they who followed Lucifer and taught them 
why the plan of damnation was not uh, an adequate plan to progress. See, if we didn't have free agency to choose and to make decisions and to grow, we would not progress. And coming into this mortal probation would have been um, pointless because the whole point of coming into an earth, into a world, a fallen world, is to progress through the pain and the hardship and the joys and the happiness of living in a mortal probation on an earth. Every single life is valuable. Every experience is valuable in the progression of the children of God so that they can gain the experiences that they need to progress. And uh, people like this that speculate, see, I don't believe Moses Thatcher was a real apostle. I don't believe Brigham Young was the Lord's anointed either because the church was rejected in Nauvoo according to Jesus Christ's 1841 revelation, which is in which he said, build a temple where the Father can come dwell therein that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, <coughs> even the fullness of the priesthood. Well, the temple was never built. The Father never came to dwell therein. He never did. It was never finished. It was never properly dedicated. The Shekinah glory of God that, that rested on the tabernacle in the wilderness and upon the temple in Jerusalem and upon the Kirtland temple, it never rested in Nauvoo. It never did. And Jesus said if they did not do the work that he commanded them to do and speaking of building this, this uh, temple in Nauvoo for the Father to come dwell therein, that they would be rejected as a church with their dead. And he said that, that uh, curse, curses and wrath and indignation and all these things would come upon the church. And that's what happened. And people want to say, oh, that didn't happen, that the church was accepted. But that's not what happened. The Father never came. In fact, Jesus said that the fullness of the priesthood had to be delivered by the Father in the temple, but somehow... Brigham Young claimed to receive the fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store and that it was given to him by Joseph Smith, which is weird because the father never restored the fullness of the priesthood to Joseph Smith either. And I'm not talking about the Melchizedek priesthood. Like some Judas gods will teach that the Melchizedek priesthood was taken from the earth. It never was. See, when Jesus says, build a temple where the Father, where the Most High can come dwell therein, that he, the Father, can restore the fullness of the priesthood, in order to come into the presence of the Father, you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood. They still had it in Nauvoo after this revelation. Some will say that it was lost in 1838. Others have different stories that they try to cling to. But they are Judas goats. They are leading you astray with false doctrine. It is not true. The Melchizedek priesthood remained on the earth. Even as the church was rejected with their dead, it remained on the earth. Because the rejection was the rejection of receiving the fullness of the priesthood. The rejection was not having any more revelation. When Jesus Christ said in that revelation... 
which is DNC 124 or the revelation given in January of 1841, he said, if you do these things and build this temple, he will begin to restore the times and seasons, which are the Moedim or the holy days of Yehovah. He said that this will be a place for the beginning of revelations. And I believe that was for the revelations for the redemption of Zion, which did not happen. Like you have a trickle of revelations just for a second after Joseph Smith dies and then it just stops. There hasn't been a revelation in the church for over 130 years. Not one. Not the proclamations. They're not revelations. They're press releases. There has not been one thus saith the Lord revelation. And the leadership will say, oh, we don't have to have a thus saith the Lord revelation. But they are lying to you. They are Babylonian businessmen who made their wealth in Babylon who have become leaders of your church. And one of the revelations that I have where God is speaking of these things, he says, false administrators have hijacked my church. And what I say is Babylonian businessmen have hijacked the church. That's why Jesus said in DNC 85 that he would have to send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, implying it would become out of order. In Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 28, saw the drunkards of Ephraim in the last days and how the priest and the prophet would lead them out of the way and how all of their tables would be full of filth and vomit. What does that mean? It means that they have rejected the meat of the gospel and they look upon it as filth and vomit. Why is it that you don't have the United Orders? Why have you rejected the law of adoption, consecration, rebaptisms, the law of adoption? Like there's a bunch of things that have been rejected. The gathering of Israel to one place. Even plural celestial marriage. And I know that there's a lot of Judas goats that run around out there. And I'm sorry if you're one of them. But God showed me that in order for a man and a woman to receive eternal life, they must be sealed together again by the Holy Spirit of promise, which is more than just being sealed to Jesus Christ. It is the man being sealed to the woman, the woman being sealed to the man. And because there are more elect females... God allows plural sealings. And it's sad that people are are, uh, ranting and raving about uh, polygamy, but they don't understand it. They think that they do because they read something in Jacob chapter 2, which completely contradicts the rest of Scripture when you look at it from, from the perspective that polygamy is a complete abomination and always has been and always will be. And they tried to worm the way around and find another way to look at things, but it's because of their uh, of their Gentile nature. I know a lot of them love God, but because of their traditions, they reject plural celestial marriage because they don't understand it. If there were the same amount of elect men as there were women, there would be no need for plural marriage or plural sealings. 
And if there were many more elect males than there were females, there would be polyandrous ceilings, which is, you know, still plural ceilings, but it's all about exaltation. It's all about being sealed to the opposite gender. Because in the beginning, the intelligences were both male and female. And when they became self-aware, the masculine and the feminine energies separated. And you had the beginning of the birth of a spirit. See, the intelligence is not the spirit. The spirit comes from the intelligence and it is the intelligence that is eternal but the spirit is not eternal unless it is sealed by the holy spirit of promise feminine to masculine masculine to feminine that's how you gain eternal life is through these sealing ordinances and because there are many more elect females than there are males god allows plural celestial sealings to happen But Judas Goats will teach you something else. And that there's many of the elect of God who believe the lies of these Judas Goats who come to them in sheep's clothing, but really they are ravening wolves. And now that God has opened up the heavens again, there are many of these ravening wolves walking among you, trying to get you to believe in the lies of false doctrine. And remember 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, all they who receive the lie received or believe the lie receive strong delusion <coughs> that they all might be damned because they did not love the truth. Are you okay? Don't you want to go upstairs and get under the covers? No. You just want to sit here with me? Yeah. Okay. He's on my lap. So... I tried to do this recording before the littles woke up, but um, my daughter, Amberly, who is seven, went upstairs to get something out of the bedroom and woke him up, and now he's down here sitting on my lap, so give it to Arius. Thank you. All right, so we just quoted Journal of Discourses, volume 26, page 332 continuing on since the host that followed Satan the hosts that followed Satan were not permitted to have a mortal body they tried to steal or enter into another temporal tabernacle oh I've got to say this too so those who came back to the plan of salvation they were those of Japheth the largest portion of of God's children on the earth uh, the children of Shem, they were the they were they who never left the plan of salvation. And as an Israelite, we are Shem. And there's many others who are of Shem, but Japheth, they were the ones who went on to to follow Lucifer in his in his false in his plan, and they came back to the plan of salvation. But they who were of <coughs> Of him, they were the last to receive the plan of salvation. And they thought the devil had more right to rule and reign than, than did, um, you know, the, the, uh, the redeemer of the world, Jesus. 
So, and those who, um, those who were last to accept the plan of salvation, they were be, they became the seed of Canaan. Which in Genesis chapter nine, Canaan is cursed to be a, and his posterity is cursed to be a servant of servants. And the reason for that is because these individuals chose the plan of damnation, and it was only at the last moments that they accepted the plan of salvation. That's why they received that lineage uh, in the spirit world to come into. Probably the best known account of this happening is recorded in the New Testament. Quote, And when he, speaking of Jesus, was come to the other side unto the country of the Gergesnes, I've, I've read the scriptures many times. I don't believe I've ever read that word before. Let's see what it means. Define. Oh, there's no definition found. Okay. It may be a typo, but I don't think I've seen that word. Anyway, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no man might pass by the way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, or thou B'nai Elohim? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he, Jesus, said, Go go unto them. Or unto them go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. That's Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 through 32. Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and Wilfred Woodruff are just a few of the early leaders of the church who concurred that indeed the devils did not have mortal bodies of his own, that the devil did not have a mortal body of his own. But like I said, he didn't have a mortal body and he, unless he possessed one in this world. But he doesn't have one. So those of you who want to say, oh, the one that you saw in 2003 when the father laid his physical hands upon your physical head was the devil, you're actually offending God when you speak those words. Because the devil cannot appear as a body of flesh and bone. In fact, Jesus Christ said... When a devil comes to you to put your hand out and try to shake the hand and he will try to deceive you, but you will not feel anything because he does not have a body. But but Lucifer, before he became Lucifer in a previous world, did have a body. He put it off to become the witness of this world. And when he rebelled, he was cast down out of heaven and he was not allowed to have a mortal tabernacle of his own. He does not have a body at this time. He has in the past. Jesus Christ, before he became a spirit and before he showed himself to Mohanroy Moriankmer, the brother of Jared in Ether chapter 3, 
Before this world was created, he knew what it was like to have a body because he had one before. Lucifer did too. That's why he wants a body because he knows what it's like to have a body. He knows what it's like. But he wanted to progress from the from the celestial sphere in which he lived. He wanted to become a redeemer, which is the second level of the celestial kingdom. The first level is to be a witness. To be a holy ghost. The second level is to become a redeemer. And the last level is to become an exalted father. To join in with the Elohim. We're on page 86 and we're at 72% through with the reading for today. The punishment of the devil was that he should not have a habitation like men. The devil's retaliation is he comes into this world, binds up men's bodies and occupies them himself. When the authorities come along, they reject, eject, eject, not reject, they eject him from the stolen habitation. That's according to Joseph Smith's understanding, which is recorded in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 306. The devil was cursed and sent down from heaven. He has no body of his own. Therefore, he is constantly endeavoring to obtain possession of the tabernacles belonging to others. And that's according to Brigham Young in the Journal of Discourses, volume 5, page 331. God holds the riches of this world in his hands. The gold and the silver, the cattle and the earth are his, and he gives to whom he will give. When Christ was upon the mount, Lucifer... Ah, drives me nuts. Call him Satan. Stop calling him Lucifer. Here's the deal. When Lucifer rebelled, his title of Lucifer or Hillel ben Shakar was stripped from him and he became Satan. When he appeared to Jesus, he was not a Lucifer. He was a Satan. When Christ was upon the mount, Satan, the devil showed him all the glory of the world and offered to give it to him if he would fall down and worship him. But do you know that that poor devil did not owe a single foot of land? He did not own a single foot of land in the whole world and that he had not even a body or a tabernacle? And that's according to Wilfred Woodruff's understanding. Journal of Discourses, volume 18, page 120. Even though the devil does not have a body, he tries to make people believe that he has a body. He does not own anything in this world. He's a usurper. I I just added that. But he tries to claim it anyway. The Lord told Cain that if he rebelled against God, he would become perdition and be delivered up to Satan. However, the Lord also told him, Thou shalt rule over him. Meaning, because Cain had a body, and because Cain became a a son of perdition, and Lucifer became Satan and was cast out without a body, Cain actually had more power over Satan than Satan had over him. That's why in this revelation in Moses chapter 5, verse 23, 
Jehovah actually tells Cain, thou shalt rule over him, meaning thou shalt rule over, over Satan. Continuing with the reading, why? Because Cain had a mortal body and Satan did not. The prophet Joseph Smith explained all beings who have bodies have power over those who have no bodies. The devil has no power over us only as we permit him. And we permit him through fear and jealousy and envy and those type of things. But that's according to Joseph Smith's understanding, which is recorded in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 181. The message of this chapter then is to show how is to show that it is only the devil and the evil spirits that followed followed the devil that can enter into different mortal bodies. Hold on. The message of this chapter then is to show that it is only the devil and the evil spirits that followed him that can enter into different mortal mortal bodies not the spirits of all mankind, as the doctrine of reincarnation teaches. So that's the end of this chapter. When we come back, we'll be on page 87, which is chapter 11, and we'll be talking about angelic beings. So, all right, well, that is the end of the chapter, and I really don't have anything else to say other than, yeah, we're dealing with... uh, with the flu in our household, we got tested for it and came out positive. Um, one interesting thing that happened this week was that my main supervisor came back from Texas. His dad actually was really sick. And my supervisor is one of his many, many, many sons because he was a polygamist. His dad was. The guy that I work for is not a polygamist. He has one wife, but he has many, 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 many brothers. (laughs) And the guy underneath him was actually also a polygamist uh, that came out of the, uh, oh, what do you call it? I'm forgetting the name, Uh, Colorado City, Hillsdale, Arizona where Warren Jeffs was, but he came out of that a long time ago, like before Warren Jeffs uh, took over and became a nut job that, that he was. So um, I think I think he left while it was still All Reds deal. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, um, so yeah, I work for two polygamists, which is fine. Um, we don't talk about stuff too much because uh, they don't like the fact that I don't believe Brigham Young was a prophet. But but anyway, so the main supervisor came back and while he was gone, everybody kind of went crazy with the schedule. And so they decided to split us up into two teams. One team would work four days and then get four days off and the other team would fill in when those guys were off. Well, I worked five days straight and then on my second day, I got a call from, from him telling me that I'm on the team that's supposed to be working right now. And I was like, uh, no, I just work five days straight. I need some time off and I have a doctor's appointment, uh, which is 
what I did yesterday with the whole like going and get tested for ha- for the flu because I was sick and my kids were sick. So unfortunately, um, I am supposed to be working today and then I'm supposed to have Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday off and then go back to work Wednesday. Well, I've already been off work. This is my fourth day, so I'm going to have eight days in a row off, which really sucks, and I don't know why he put me... And I asked him, why would you put me on the schedule when I worked five days straight, and, like, this is supposed to be my time off, and now you want me to come back? And he says, well, you don't have to come back uh, to work right now because I know that you only had a sh- you know, short amount of time off, but you're on that team, and I'm like... Okay, well, I understand why you did it the way you did it for everybody else, but, like, I don't understand why you put me on this team that is supposed to be off when I've been off for... I'll be off for four days Saturday, tomorrow. Should be my day to go back on to work because we work four on and four off. And last week I worked five on and I expected to get at least three days off. But... That's not how it's working out. So, but it it is working out though because, as you can hear, my son is sick and I am sick. And when I feel like I need to cough, I know it's about to happen. So I I pause the recording, so you don't have to listen to me cough. But I don't know when he's gonna cough. So he just coughs whenever he's gonna cough. So I can't pause it for him. But. Anyway, um, I hope that you at least enjoyed the program for today. I wish I had a better studio and a better setup, but this is what it is. And uh, I figure, you know, you'll listen to somebody in Gospel Doctrine talk. And I would really love to have a conversation with people. They'd invite them on to a live radio program, but people never call in. So that the schedule that I have now is just... It doesn't work like that for me anymore. So anyway, that's going to be the end of the program. Like I said, when we come back, we'll be in chapter 11 of reincarnation and we'll be talking about angelic beings. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye. Santa Maria.